Hello, and welcome to episode 148 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I am your host, Derek Heemsbergen. I'm Embryonix on Twitter. That's at E-M-B-R-Y-O-N-X. And today I'm joined by a small but still star-studded crew of folks. I've got Peter Treisenberg today, folks. What's up, folks? It's your boy HP back at it again with the fish people. <laughs> Straight out of Grand Rapids. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> We've also got the uh, freshly returned from abroad, Greg Delmage. Oui, salut, je suis Greg Delmage. Thanks, and I'm Predamange. <laughs> Isn't that right. a restaurant? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, the, the bread place. What's it called? Damn it, I'm blanking. The bread place? Yeah, there's like the name of a, a bread restaurant. Album Pond. Where is that? Is that you actually... know about that? No. Okay. Forget it. It's like a bakery. I'm just trying to be like offensive to any and all French people who may be listening to the show on accident. So <laughs> I kid. Well, guys, we <laughs> we have a smaller crew today, but we're not lacking for quality. It's been a little while since we've had, I think, either of these guys in the show. So it's going to be cool to get their perspectives Accurate. on what they've been playing. It's been kind of a whirlwind for a lot of us in a lot of ways. I think Peter and I were discussing pre-show about all the stuff that's been going on in our respective lives. And then Greg just got done with a huge amount of stuff. And I guess I just want to check in a little bit first. So Peter, have things been going well with you? Yeah. You know, just been busy with work, uh, you know, real life responsibilities, uh, looking for new apartments and whatnot. Uh, it's been a time, but I'm making it work and playing some quality games to keep myself occupied. So that's the that's way to do it. That's the and, way I've to do a, it. and I've got a kitty. So that's nice. And you've got a kitty. Is it Mo? Uh, squeak. So my girlfriend's cat. Ooh. Uh, She's uh, new. Uh, no, we, she's had her for a while now, but she's uh, I've been getting to see her a lot more recently. She's uh, all white. She's all white and has polydactyl thumbs on her front paws. Mm, squeak. She's a she's a cutie. We stand squeak in this house. <laughs> and then Greg, I know you've been God. You've been working on a movie, which is, um, I'm sure, a very cheap endeavor, right? You haven't spent any money on that. No, not at all. We didn't spend any of our savings whatsoever on this. Um, yeah, we uh, back when we applied to uh, a local uh, production grant thing called Story Hive, funded by TELUS for anyone in North America that has TELUS. They gave us $10,000 to make a film, which you're like, sweet, that sounds like a lot. It's not a lot to make a movie. So a lot of our own money and a lot of really nice people who gave lots of favors went into making this film and uh, contributed probably the most stressful month I've ever had in my life, uh, which was June. Trying to make a film happen, be a producer on this, build sets and all that sort of stuff and putting out fires constantly and also trying to plan for a trip to go to Paris, which uh, was a surprise uh, engagement gift, which I think I've talked about in the past on the podcast to my yeah. now fiance Annette. Uh, oh, was say, she said no, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, so I went with my mom. No, um, <laughs> uh, no, Annette and I went, but uh, obviously when she, when she applied for this film grant, uh, I had not proposed yet because I had been planning a big elaborate uh, proposal surprise. So when she applied for this, and I had already booked the trip for two weeks in July, and this film is due on August 7th, and we found out that we won the grant in like May, I was like, well, I should probably tell her, because Annette's producing, directing, and starring in it. So it kind of was important. (laughs) So it was... uh, 
it was a lot on our plates to kind of throw this at her, which obviously she was overjoyed. And we we're both looking so forward to having the break to get away. But it made never make a film and then leave the country for two weeks, FYI. Yeah, right. Because I'm sure there's no loose ends you had to wrap up or anything like no, that. No, not at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that everything has generally gone well for you. You know, it has though. It's production really worked and, out. Or, or you wrapped shooting, I mean, right? I don't know my film terms. We did. We did it. We wrapped our film on July 1st, Canada Day, and then got ourselves very slowly out of our space where we had built our set, which was a uh, in a gymnasium. We built uh, essentially a two-story apartment, two separate levels, mm-hmm. and got out of there. And uh, then we flew on July 4th to Paris. So, Wow, how patriotic on both counts. It was, especially since we were there for the World Cup victory in nice. France. And right. they go bananas. I mean, uh, felicitations at anyone from France who's listening, but uh, y'all are crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I but wasn't this like a monumental win for them or something? It was. There's a, Which is funny, too, because there's a station, because we started to get really familiar with Metro trying to get around Paris, uh, since we pretty much focused our entire two weeks on being in Paris. And uh, two weeks, let me tell you, isn't enough for just Paris. It's got mm-hmm. a lot. Oh, yeah. But there's one stop called, uh, I think it's called Les Etoiles, which is something to do with like, their victory, the last World Cup they won. And since we stopped there another time, now there's two stars, like basically like the day after. Like they're already mm-hmm. on that and had like a fresh new plaque and everything on there. It's crazy. So I'm sure there was somebody was like, some sculptor or craftsperson was like waiting behind the scenes, like, do I make it? Do I make it? Do I make it? Or they probably had it prepared anyway. <laughs> they probably already had it prepared and he just would have been very sad throwing it in the garbage. But, um, it's like in, uh, like even in like you know, look at Stanley Cup. Like you can't imagine when one of those teams wins that they had all these victory hats for the other team, and those just all go in the garbage. It's so wasteful, but they have to be ready. So I imagine, yeah, like you said, someone was just sitting there in the wings with this plaque, <laughs> hoping to put it on. Yeah. And well, congrats did. to France, and I'm glad that they got to celebrate. And uh, hopefully, nobody was, you know, like injured or hurt in the rioting. We'll we'll avoid that. But yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you're back safe uh, and that you had a great time and that things in your life are going well. You deserve it. Yeah, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, and let's talk video games. So one that we're going to discuss today, probably the one that I'm looking forward to discussing the most. I have been holding off on getting this game because it is available for a few platforms already. PC, PS4, I want to say Xbox One. I'm not sure. Um, but it is coming to the Switch, I believe, later this summer, and I am chomping at the bit to get my hands on it. But, Greg, you've been playing Moonlighter. I have been, and yes. it's pretty rad so far. Uh, I picked it up for review, um, which, thanks, RPG fans, the first game you've given me for review, and I'm pretty stoked hey. about it. Which console? I got it on the PS4. Okay. And um, this is the sort of like semi, I don't know how randomly generated it is, but it's like a dungeon crawler mixed with a receteer item shops uh, running kind of simulation. More so or less. Like, yeah, Zelda plus you run a shop. So essentially, what's, what's it like? Uh, yeah, basically, if you like hoarding, uh, this is the game for you. <laughs> yeah, I never use my elixirs. So I'm interested. <laughs> it's a. Uh, <laughs> It definitely has its flavors of every roguelike and of Diablo with its top-down perspective of looking, especially for me coming off of Minish Cap, it has a very similar It has a very Minish Cap vibe, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, with bouncy sprites, a, very, a lot of um, what they call um, like the dangly bits of like flags. 
when my friend who's worked in game design, she says, any like flags that wave in the wind, they're called dangly bits. It's weird. At any rate, there's a lot of that going on. Like it's a very lush, vibrant environment, much like how Minish Cap looked when I talked about it on Retro. Uh, and apparently the roguelike Zelda games are my thing at RPG Fan right now. <laughs> anyway, hey. So it's it comes with a, a pretty basic like startup, jump in like any of those kind of games. You know, you got your hero who is exploring these dungeons, gets knocked out, has an old man that's like, I need to teach you how to do things. Uh, with straight up with like a direct reference to Zelda when he gives him an item. Uh, so they, they're not pulling any punches of saying where things have come from and their inspiration. But then there's that added aspect, like you said, of Reseteer, of having a shop. So when you're going into these procedurally generated dungeons with new monsters spawning wherever you're going, uh, and you're collecting items uh, in the end, in the night and then bringing them back home to open your shop the next day. So then that comes into this shop management mini game of stocking items, adjusting prices, and then you have to read the people and based their, uh, on their reactions how much you can buy or sorry, how much you can sell things for. So if you set like a dew drop for 50 gold and they're like, they'll make some sort of emoji face of like not happy. So then you'll try and adjust the pricing. So that way they'll want to buy more of those items more frequently and you can create a demand. And it's, it's got an actually fairly involved economy system in terms of looking into your notebook, figuring out what's selling for what and what's popular at the time Ooh. to generate more income for yourself to then put into the town yeah. to upgrade it a la Harvest Moon idea okay Ooh, i love that, that yeah it's got that vibe of please reinvigorate our town as like the old harvest moons kind of had mm -hmm. so i like that vibe like here inheriting your parents shop in this old town that's kind of gone nowhere because no one's exploring these dungeons anymore so it's up to you to kind of reinvigorate it and put money into the town or into the shop to expand your uh, your uh, inventory to sell and the kind of upgrades you can give yourself so all that to basically prolong your roguelike experience of now I've got better armor, better equipment, better this, that, the other thing, so I can go further and further and further and explore why are these dungeons here. I love that. Yeah. And back to the point where you mentioned that there was a reference to The Legend of Zelda with the way that the old man gave you an item. I'm curious <laughs> about the tone of the game or the, the writing or the script. Does it feel... Is it really comedic or does it balance comedy or is, it, is there a lot of writing it's it's sparse on its writing it's um i find it's fairly genuine like it's definitely it airs on the side of more lightheartedness a la you know legend of zelda and such like that but it's not full-on um it's not like a parody no it's not a parody and it's not yeah. full-on silly like and not to say that swords of ditto is fully silly but it's definitely a goofier well, kind of just to reference something recently that i've played yeah, the reason why I ask is because there is a game called Evo Land, and there's an Evo ah, Land too as yeah, well. And I yeah, reviewed. Yeah, yeah, that's like the one. It's like a bunch of references to other games, right? And yeah. oh my god, I found it abhorrent. I hated it <laughs> because it's it's nothing but like word for word or screen for screen lifted jokes from old games without any context whatsoever, and they're just like spewing them at you rapid fire like remember this remember this remember this yeah, remember this it's totally reliant on nostalgia i've been playing it and i enjoy it for what it is but it's definitely flimsy yeah flimsy is a good word for it so yeah that a concern of mine is that moonlighter might have ended up like that but no it definitely feels very uh like it, it, it people who like adventure time and stuff like that will still find its mild cheek you know, amusing, like, you know, you'll go into a dungeon entrance or they're like, I'm so interested in what, uh, sorry, a dungeon, you'll find a dungeon camp and there'll be journals to kind of give little feedback on people who've come before. 
And sometimes it'll be just like a sim simple tone of like, why are these dungeons here? Like all these people are here exploring the dungeons just to get rich and this and that. But I want to know why, like, why do these exist? Why are they always changing? So that's kind of a little more serious and interesting. Conversely, you'll come across one. Someone's like, so I got attacked by a rock today. That was <laughs> weird. But you know what? I just hit that rock right back. So it's got like, again, some mild amusement but okay. mostly it takes itself it, it all works in taking itself seriously and it's all humor in the context of the game not to give a big old wink to the to you outside of that one like reference so yeah, far I've seen. yeah that okay. sounds pretty well balanced so the you mentioned upgrading your shop and stuff which is the thing that i that i look forward to i think the most <laughs> because i really love that kind of addictive loop of progressing or or expanding outwards from your, like, I love being able to build up a home base of sorts in any kind of game. Mm -hmm. So is the main resource in the game money that you earn and then you just like expend money or do you have to get certain materials as well? And how does it affect the, the shop? So you are going into each dungeon. Uh, right now, I've only, I've barely touched the surface because I was hoping to get more into it, but leaving for two weeks to Paris kind of put a hole in it, uh, my progress. So yeah, getting back into it to get caught up a bit today with it. Uh, I've only kind of done the one first dungeon you have access to called the Golem Dungeon. And then there's four other ones that I'm assuming you'll eventually get access to. And all the items that you find from the monster drops are all very much themed to each dungeon. And that builds with a crafting system. Uh, so like you said, there is money is the main thing to buy upgrades, to buy shop upgrades, to buy new um, spots in town for people, other businesses to set up. And then you go there to spend money to the, the woman who makes potions and enchantments, like you'll give her 4,000 gold, but also she'll require the crafting mechanic of, oh, you need this crystal gem thing in order to get the enchantment upgrade, or you'll need these slime goop drops to get potions for example or go to the blacksmith and you'll need iron and um some sort of cloth material and something else to upgrade your broom to a spear or this or that or whatever so there is a, okay. a crafting component and the items that you have matter in that okay okay good and crafting not just for your own equipment but say like oh i want to expand my shop to have eight slots to sell stuff and i need 100 gold and a golem's eye or whatever? Or is it so just far, money? it seems to be just money, but I haven't actually had the opportunity to upgrade my shop. But uh, from what I've seen on the, the shop, the, the, the hub board where you do the upgrades, they are just asking for money. Okay. Cool. It seems like the uh, the equipment and stuff is strictly for you, or the, the gear, uh, crafting gear is simply to craft more stuff at the shops, which you can sell. You can go and build a sword and then sell in the shop, or it's just for your own purposes to sell and use. Sure, sure. And how's the balance or how's the feel of the combat and the action? It's it's tricky. It definitely has a, a slight learning curve with the skill, which is good because I like a game that rewards you getting better at it. It's not super boring to just sit there and mash away. Like there's definitely the odd enemy where you can just stand in the doorway, they'll come at you and you can slash away and you'll kill them. But other enemies require a little more use of the dodge roll mechanic to get around them. And uh, certain weapons require a little more strategy too, because like your sword and shield, you can block a bit, but it seems to be limited. Like I could sit there with a, someone launching projectiles at me, I'll take like two hits and then I'll get bounced back. And I presume that's just because it's A, too weak, or B, I'm just not skilled enough with it yet. Mm -hmm. I haven't explored that enough. So I found that interesting. So you can't just sit there and hide behind the shield that you just got. So that kind of implies you need to get better with it or get, uh, or it needs to get improved to take more hits. And then okay. conversely, like the other weapon you start with is your broom, which is one in the spear family tree. 
and it requires a bit of strategy in order to like you can just do quick jabs but it has like a kind of each weapon has two different attack options so it has like a charge up that you can kind of run people through with so that requires a little more control of the direction and timing and space management so i find that kind of neat that there's something there for everybody because there seems to be five different types of weapons with gloves a bow a giant sword spear and then the sword and shield kind of option so it lets you kind of experiment with different play types which is really neat and you can have two different weapons going at the time so you can swap between them depending on your needs okay yeah it's cool, it's cool that they're going so in depth with that because i feel like a lot of these uh sim rpg like hybrids like the combat is sometimes really bare bones like uh like in rune factory or whatnot like like it's fun. The dungeon crawling is pretty fun, but there's not really a whole lot to the combat once you get it down. Um, and it can be very stilted. Like I especially remember in yeah, Rune Factory Frontier. Like it's it can be very frustrating to try and aim and and yeah. such. And it's got <laughs> such a weird lag time to it. That was like a simulation yeah. game with combat tacked on as yeah. an afterthought. Exactly. That's what it felt yeah. like. This one is clearly built around its combat because it is definitely like your main way of exploring the dungeons it's not it um, doesn't take the page from zelda of having puzzles and such the puzzle is mostly just navigating the map and using your items to your advantage so to speak but aside from that there's not too much else as far as like oh go and push this switch here and drag this block over here or anything like that like there's parts where like the floor will give away or uh, chasms that you have to jump over uh, which is funny too because this game has still managed to surprise me. Like there was one time where I accidentally rolled into a hole this morning, which a la Zelda usually resets you back to the door and you take damage. Mm -hmm. But I actually found like a secret place at the bottom of the well. Oh, I love oh. that. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then it was just like an empty chest and I didn't think about it. And then later on, so I started having like, I'm now honestly always going into rooms being like, should I jump in there? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Because you never know. You pick up cues that tell you, oh, I think that's what I could jump into, I think. I'm not sure. And then you discover what these things mean. I found another room, too, that even had a different thing at the bottom of it that I haven't discovered it's used for. It's mm. it's interesting. There's a lot of nice mysteries in it. And sometimes the townsfolk will enlighten you to stuff. And sometimes it's just discovering things in journals and past writings of other explorers to try and piece together what these things mean. Yeah, it sounds like from from your description, it's at least a little bit less esoteric and maybe more structured than the Swords of Ditto, which is, I'm, I'm getting, you know, doing the thing where I'm comparing to other games, but this does have a lot of elements of Reseteer and of games like Zelda. So Swords of Ditto is the most recent one we both play that yep. comes to mind that plays similarly. So it, you know, and, and my complaint with Swords of Ditto was that it felt like it wasn't structured enough or that I didn't really have a strong home base to come back to, and Moonlighter Accurate. nails that. Yeah, so, the Swords of Ditto lacks the roguelike uh, base expansion kind of mechanic that a lot of roguelikes have. Yeah. It mostly just relies on you Yeah, doing the save MacGuffins in order to save your MacGuffins. Whereas Moonlighter, you have like your home base, your chest, your shop that you can always have some structure to go back to. It's not just like, well, you're dead, figure it out. <laughs> well, sucks to be you. And I love that. Oh, I can't wait for this to come out. I was looking at their Twitter just now to see what the... Uh... Like if there was an update on the Switch release date, and I don't, I don't see anything recently. The last I heard was they just said coming soon to Switch as uh, of like a month ago or something. So. so that could be 2018, or they could pull a Kingdom well, Hearts and come I, out in the 13th month of 2018. Yeah, not the 13th month. Well, they did say uh, <laughs> like coming soon. I think they said coming this summer. So 
Okay, so we maybe could expect it as late as like the end of August, maybe. Yeah, I would hope August or so. And I think there's a physical edition too, which I'm hear me typing while I look this up on Amazon. But uh, oh, okay, I see. There's a listing on Amazon for September 25th for the physical edition, but the digital might release before that. So which that box art looks right. Well, so may as well get it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, you'll you'll notice the header image if you've clicked on the podcast from the RPGfan.com main page reusing kind of the main art for Moonlighter as our podcast header because it is so good. It really is. Like the yeah, like I said, the charm of the artwork is what drew me in initially to this game back when it was on my radar. And I was just like, hey, can we review this? And they're like, sure. And then here we are reviewing it. So I'm glad you are. I look forward to reading it. Ditto. Yeah. But not the swords of <laughs> or, the po- or the Pokemon. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> he gets around. <laughs> yeah. Well, We'll talk Pokemon, actually, in a little bit. But before that, I wanted to get Greg's thoughts on one more game that he's been playing. Because I just... Let's just make you do all the work at once here, Greg. You have been playing a game that I know virtually nothing about besides the name. And uh, and what Peter told me earlier on in the show, which is Battle Chasers Night War. Is that right? Correct. Uh, I mean, this is my, I guess, comeuppance for having been off the show for so long. Um Battle Chasers Night War is, uh, as Peter was saying, and as I've known before, is brought to us by uh, uh, Airship. Blah, I'm forgetting their name right now. I think it's Airship Studios. Airship Syndicate. Airship Syndicate, it looks like. Airship Syndicate developed it. It's published by THQ Nordic. uh, So it's got some good pedigree behind it. Uh, Joe Madureira, who's a big comic book writer and artist working mostly with Marvel, uh, has also done his own... A comic book called Battle Chasers, which now has got developed uh, into Battle Chasers Night War, which came out on the PS4 and uh, Xbox 360 and I think Steam back in October, and it is coming to Switch. Uh, it's one that RPG fan passed over at some point, just people not having time, I guess, and I randomly picked it up while I was on sale on PSN, and I was really digging on it and really do uh, want to get a review out for it sooner than later, which will hopefully come in time for its Switch release, because the art style, again, is something that drew me in. It's, it's uh, pretty Western, yeah. It is, but it's, uh, it's a Westernized JRPG. Which mm-hmm. is really neat. They definitely yeah. took some pages from a lot of the uh, JRPGs of yore. Uh, it's got a really neat uh, um, initiative sidebar, a la like, uh, Final Fantasy X, which I like. You can see how your moves shift your initiative, your turn order. So that can be part of your strategy, which I like the strategic element to the classic um, side-to-side um, active time battle or whatever the established by Final Fantasy. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, that classic JRPG. You're on the one side, they're on the other, although they switched it up by having uh, the party on the left and bad guys on the right. Gasp. Right? <laughs> I guess like, if the... they were like, we want to be different. Maybe it's maybe it's on this uh, hemisphere, things are flipped or something, right? Like, That's how it works? It's a Western uh, JRPG. You, you, RPG, you read left to right. So Yeah, exactly. Not like that crazy JRPG where it goes right to left, am I right? We don't know At about that. Rate. <laughs> but it's uh, it's clear that where its roots lie but it also feels like um it's got its mashup of uh, a lot of style anyone familiar with torchlight is going to find in there the with the it's beautiful very um very lavish modeled sprites that all feel very much like they could have been pulled right out of like the torchlight world uh, right down to the color scheme it's a very vibrant color palette in this very um 
big fantasy world. You've got an overworld map that you adventure along and random encounters show up for you. Like, you know you're going to be getting into them, so you can plan it out, but you don't know exactly what you're going to be encountering. They also have a bit of a spin on the encounters, not just with the the mechanics of, um, of you know, you're on the left and the right and there's the initiative, but they also have it that hmm. you can uh, get into these battles that will kind of go in waves from time to time. So that okay. kind of changes up your strategy of thinking, not just like, oh, I'm just going to wipe this tiny little party. It's like, oh, there's more. So you kind of have to ex weigh how you're going to expend your HP, your abilities and stuff like that a little more. Oh, we were just talking about that in Bravely Second, I believe on the last episode. Oh. About how Bravely Second uh, expanded on Bravely Default's battle system by having kind of like chain battles where you have to yeah, answer right. your, your turn, your BP or whatever, break points. So it's, yeah, so it's, it's exactly like that in a, in a lot of ways. And, um, and you get uh, similar to, similar actually to Bravely Default. Uh, I haven't played Bravely Second myself, but Bravely Default had the thing too, like certain uh, strategies in battle could net you better rewards at the end of the battle too. And similarly, okay. they brought that into this too. So if you can do excessive damage, for example, to wipe out a, a party, uh, one of the enemy party members, you'll get a, a bonus DXP for that. So I think that's a kind of a nice way to... It, it just brings a lot of a nice new strategy to an old tried format. Yeah. Which makes it feel a lot more fresh. And like all the animations are very visceral and uh, and very well animated. So you, you feel like every hit matters. And even when your party gets hit, like it makes you, oh no. <laughs> so... Yeah, Joe, Joe Madariera's artwork is off the hook. Like uh, his... um. I, I was a big fan of his Uncanny X-Men run um, from a while back, and Battle Chasers itself, too. It's just like, as a row, it's a really popular series. And they actually, um, when the game came out, they actually uh, published some new comics, too. So that was exciting. Cool. And so this is something that anybody could jump into without experience with Battle Chasers as a franchise, very right? Very minimal. It's It definitely will, like myself, for example, it's made me want to now go find out more, because you do feel like you're jumping in Meteor Res to the story. It gives you a little bit of like, this is who they are. This is what they're doing. But it feels like you've this party has been adventuring together before. So you kind of want to know like, well, what's, what's the story there? Like, how do these people find each other? So it definitely makes you want to know more about it. I haven't gotten super far into it yet. But I imagine some more of that backstory will come up a bit for people who haven't gotten into the comic books. But it has inspired me now to want to go track down the comics because I want to <laughs> see more about these characters' developments in their and their how they develop as people, but also how they come together as a team. Gotcha. That's, always a, that's always a good sign with with uh, media like that when when you play something or read something and you just you want to find more. That's always that's yeah. Always it definitely has made me want for more, not only of the game but of the world itself. Interesting. I've been, I've been interested in in uh, Night War since uh, I think I saw it a couple of E3s ago, and the the team was very excited about it. They were name dropping like Suikoden and Grandia when they were talking about their inspiration and that was like, like, yep. Okay. These guys get it. Yeah. Um, plus, um, I think a lot of the staff that worked on it were used to work for visual games. So it's oh. the same team that did Darksiders. That makes sense. Um, which will Darksiders will forever be my favorite, most underrated game franchise from the PS3. Xbox which Madurera did art for as well. Yep. Same. So yeah, there's a bit of cross cross pollination there. 
so yeah, no, it's I'm glad to hear you're liking it, Greg. I I want to check it out myself. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty happy with what I've gotten so far. I'm excited to get through more. Also, to mention too, it is this one is fully voice acted, where Moonlighters is not, and the acting is so far really solid. And all the characters, even the NPCs, are just very interesting people to to interact with. Even though they have, they're just there to to do their thing, and they'll only kind of come up and develop their character in certain side quests uh, things. But it, again, mm -hmm. they all, they all seem like fully fleshed out people who aren't just a here's the thing go do it yeah right. it makes you wonder how many of those are established personalities from the comics or something it's true yeah well this is a game that i would have just looked over honestly had i not honestly had i not talked about it tonight here on this podcast i would have been like okay yeah i don't really know anything about it so listen this is the sound of me adding it to my wish list are you ready <laughs> there Excellent. we go <laughs> Well, it's definitely something I could see as uh, what I've gotten to know of you, Derek. Like you're definitely very geared towards the JRPG aesthetic, and looking at this very clearly Western aesthetic, I would not be surprised for you to be like, eh, whatever. This looks like a well. Thing. I just didn't realize it played like a JRPG because I'm. I mean, I'm art style is of course very important to me. Um, yeah. But if if it plays in a in a fun way, like it sort of aligns with my taste or whatever, then I'm probably game to check it out. Or if it's just polished, it doesn't have to be something that I've played before as long as it's good. Um, I'm trying to think of instances of like, it's, it's not at all the same, but I remember when I played Mass Effect 2 for the first time, I expected nothing from it. And I like fell so deeply into it that I had just binged it for a whole weekend, played it, beat it in the course of two days. And <laughs> I mean, it's just like, as long as the game is good, uh, I don't care if it's Western or Japanese or whatever. I just, uh, I didn't even realize this was really like a turn-based RPG. I saw the name. I assumed it was some kind of like action-y game that looked kind of like Torchlight. And then I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, it's probably not for me. Right. And I assumed the good. same thing until I, yeah, started playing it too and got in like my first battle. I was like, oh, this is okay. I, I, I'm totally down with this. It's a definite hybrid of dungeon crawling a la Torchlight and Diablo, but also with, yeah, the, the, the trappings of Final Fantasy when you get into battle. And a bit of even like Chrono Trigger with being able to see enemies on the map in order to encounter them or dodge them when you are in the actual dungeons themselves. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, uh, it has the same sort of mechanics too with certain moves that will hit enemies that are closer to each other in their arrangement or not so it's just it's got a lot of additional depth that pays a lot of homage to a lot of jrpgs of yore but mm. still defining its own style for sure sweet i love that it seems like you've got something of an influx of those lately with games like octopath out but as long as they're all carving out their own space and doing their own thing i think there's plenty of room for them agreed yeah, as long as we're as long as we're talking about games with uh, Joe Matariera art, though, um, I I I, uh, I I think that Darksiders Three might be the game the the first game that I'm like really excited about, but also really worried about. Um, Why is that? Uh, because well, I'm, I've been really the first two Darksiders games. All of them, all of them take inspiration from other games, but what they've shown of Darksiders Three so far looks very Dark Souls inspired. Um, oh, because hasn't um, it always played like Legend of Zelda E or something? I thought I'd heard in the past. The, the first game was basically the Legend of Zelda with God of War combat. Um, okay. The second, the second game is uh, that, but with a Diablo loot system kind of tacked on. Um, so they've always chased trends. Like uh, they even got Jesper Kid to do the soundtrack for for Darksiders too. Like, oh, Skyrim's popular now. We really, really need to make an RPG, guys. Um, <laughs> but um. 
and 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 I and I'm perfectly willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because I do like this franchise a lot. But the first gameplay demo they showed was really bare bones, and I'm just like, we'll see. I see some familiar elements, like they were solving puzzles and fighting enemies and all that stuff. But it was, it's a more seamless. Like the combat was like more one-on-one encounters with circle strafing and uh, waiting for openings than like bloody button mashy uh, combo-y goodness like from the first couple games. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to be there and giving it a shot. Um, I think even I volunteered I think to review it if we decide to do oh, that nice. on the site. Yeah, but um, we'll see. I'm I'm hoping. I like the I- series. I'd like to see it come back. I feel like the you know when Darksiders two came out, I was working at GameStop, which was forever ago in my mind. So like right. <laughs> the gap has been so big between the two, because it was an early era PS three game, right? Yeah, it was. And then like THQ like went under, and then then they got acquired by Nordic Games, which got rebranded to THQ Nordic. Like it's been a long ride of of with this series. Like just wondering if they're ever even gonna make a third one. So. Yeah. Well, if their success with Battle Chasers is an indication, hopefully they're on uh, the right path. And it is coming to Switch as well, as I think I mentioned. I can't remember if I said that, but so, yeah, so that's great. Fingers, fingers crossed. Yeah, hoping for the. And best. I imagine these, they'll probably do some sort of Darksiders port as well for the first two to Switch, and then Darksiders mm. Three will get there as well. Dark Darksiders Two was on Wii U. So. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. It was a Wii that. U launch title. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, that was like late in its life. Right, it was. Yeah, right. I think that was the next. The I think that was a year after release. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Just, uh, breathe life into it, that sort of thing. All right. Well, fingers crossed for them. Uh, I hope you end up liking it too. I want to hear more about it on the show. Yes, same for sure. Yeah. So, Peter, I'm going to shift over to you and talk about what you've been playing recently. You've been playing several games, from what it sounds like, and uh, so what you're digging into the backlog for Retro Encounter and playing some Shadow Hearts, right? Yep, I'm playing. Been playing the first Shadow Hearts. Um, dug out the PS2, and uh, I got an old CRT off of a Facebook Marketplace that's been working out for me. And Heck yeah, it's it, that's the only way to do it, man. I tried playing Digital Devil Saga on an HDTV, and I thought my retinas were gonna like burn out. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, Shadow Hearts One is really good so far. I'm enjoying it. Um, I don't really want to go too in depth on that because we'll be talking about that soon on uh, on Retro Encounter, that other podcast that we do. But, right, right, which is about to usurp me because, well, I say me, but like this show is uh, we're we're on what episode one forty eight, and you guys are coming up on one fifty, and Random has been around like five times as long. That weekly, that weekly uh, schedule, Mike is Mike is really pushing that. He's a beast. He <laughs> is. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's really good. I I love the uh, just short, long story short, I love the early nineteen hundreds setting. It's not often you see a JRPG that's like really this inspired by you know historical events and also gives it this really unique gothic flair um i like the spin on turn-based combat with the judgment ring i i really like the characters i wasn't expecting to um i wasn't expecting the localization and like the writing effort to be so solid um for a game that came out in 2001 you know mm-hmm. um, i remember it being really uh just to cut a word from greg's jib is that a thing you can say i'm, I'm hawking a word from you it's cheeky. <laughs> no, I feel like uh, I feel like Yuri, especially, is obviously he's very sardonic, and uh-huh. everything that he says is laced with a little bit of venom or cheekiness, and it, mm. it comes through in the script. And I feel like a lot of the NPCs carry that as well. That kind of um, I don't know. There's kind of like a venomous tinge to a lot of the yeah. writing. Like it's got it's got a, it's got a, it's 
got some tongue in cheek going to it. It's got, but it's also like I know that the the game the series as a whole kind of has a trajectory in terms of its comedy. But the first game seems to have like we we've got this kind of goofy humor, but it's yeah, like you said, tinged with that. It's got a blackness to it, like it's tinged mm-hmm. with with uh, dark humor. And I, I really kind of dig on that. I don't think I've ever played a game that has quite this unique an atmosphere. Um, it's it's very unique, yeah. And and the series does get lighter as it goes, but there are still elements of darkness. Especially, I think Shadow Hearts Two probably balances the the humor and the dark stuff the best. And then, so like one is the darkest, two is a little bit more balanced, and then three really goes in on the humor. But there's still some really messed up stuff in three. So yeah, and I plan on playing through the series over the course of this year. Um, as, as I figure, as long as I have the PS2 out, then before I put it back in the closet, I might as well uh, uh, get through this, play all the games I have for it. Oh, most definitely. Uh, is this your first <laughs> time playing any of them? Yes, it is. Um, I w- I've been trying to find uh, copies of them for ages, and uh, I was able to get. Uh, I got a hold of Covenant at a local game store, and then um, thanks to the lovely uh, Steph Sabidlo, I was able to get the other two games. Oh my God. So thank you, Steph. Is there anything she can't do? I don't think there is. I, I think that if you we set a limitation, she would find a way to surpass it. She's the, well. The limit does not exist when it comes to Steph Sabidlo. So truly, truly. Yeah. And then, so besides Shadow Hearts, you've been trying to hundred uh, percent an older title in anticipation of an upcoming one. Is that right? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of games, but yeah, for for real. Um. Yeah, that Kingdom Hearts 3 blowout at E3 really got me going because I love this series and um, just absolutely adore it. So I, your Google Hangouts icon will indicate to us right now. <laughs> yeah. And how do you feel about Aqua getting norted? Aqua got <laughs> norted! I want her to step on me! <laughs> that was a pretty great video, I'm not going to lie. And I didn't oh. even know anything of what was going on. I definitely had to do some Google searches like, what does norted mean? Who well, is Aqua with my old man glasses? I think, I think I think the fan base made up a word like the second that trailer dropped. But um, uh, no, I'm excited to see how this all pans out. Like Kingdom Hearts' story is Byzantine and crazy and really should not work as well as it does. IMO, but, um, <laughs> accurate. I, but I but I, I really find it engaging and I'm excited to see it concluded. But um, since I was so I was really feeling the hype, I decided to dust off the uh. The 1.5 plus 2.5. Well, dust off. I have it digitally on my PS4. Uh, the collection of all the games and play. It's a figurative dusting off. Okay. Right. I dusted off the controller. Um, there you go. And, and play uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 again because I hadn't played it in a few years. Uh, and I, I was initially not intending to like to complete it. Like I was like, okay, I, I'm just gonna play through it really quick and breezy. Take a break from Breath of the Wild. Uh, like just, just you know, and then we started. We were getting ready to do the Super Boss episode for Retro Encounter, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do. It. I'm gonna go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. And it, yeah, it's been. It, it was really fun. Um, I haven't. I'm not quite finished with because the only thing I have to complete is um, Jimmy's Journal, which has two separate categories for mini games and missions, which um, means you have to hit a, get a certain score in those mini games. Um, which is kind of annoying. So I'm kind of hovering at like 98% if you want to get technical. But I Unacceptable. Thought, I expect ah, 100% or nothing. I'll get there eventually. I need You're to never going to get to SGDQ this way, Peter. Come on. <laughs> California. <laughs> you all want to go to California. <laughs> Good reference. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I got to fight. Uh, I, so I fought Lingering Will. 
um, which was a really intense, really exciting boss fight. Um, uh, I fought. I did all the mushroom heartless. Never again. Oh, aren't those the ones that are super evasive or something? I don't remember. Yeah. You have to do like a bunch of really weird uh, gimmicks and very specific setups to uh, like to get a certain number of points with each one. Um, and they all have a weird different gimmick. Like one is like you have to keep it in the air a certain amount of times. Uh, you have to keep it in the air and hit it um, without it touching the ground. Otherwise, you it ends the mission. Um, oh, and, fun. But like you have to uh, keep it in the air for like 80 plus hits to get a good score. Um, which like so, re which requires you to equip like the 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 what's the fatal crest keyblade, which um, lets your combo go on infinitely at the cost of your finishing move, um, and a bunch of other abilities to make sure that you aren't uh, gonna accidentally juggle it away from you. And even then, it will still like randomly bounce well geography, and it's a pain. It is, it is a right pain, the things we do for 100% completion, I'm telling okay, you. Okay, so I want you to rate this on a scale of 1 to uh, Dodging Lightning on the Thunder Plains. Um, it's... <laughs> oh, ow. <laughs> I felt that in my soul. Um, <laughs> yeah. That is, that, that, is, that is a what? That is a 9. Ooh, that bad, and, huh? I would say, uh, and then like the, the Chocobo game where you have to get a perfect time, that would, for me, that would be like an 8 on that scale. Yeah, I'd say I'd say um, a couple of the mush the mushroom heartless have really easy gimmicks that you can exploit, um, but some of them are just like like that juggling one took me like I had to like take a break I like to, like take a walk because I was getting like nope this is gonna this is gonna result in blood and anguish. <laughs> the the Rob Steinman way of uh, game playing. I, I I am a I am a student of the Rob Steinman school of game analysis. No. Um, but um, I also you also get to fight. One cool thing they added to Kingdom Hearts 2 that I never really touched on was the data organization fights. Um, oh, for Final Mix? Yeah, so where you get to fight, you get to refight all the organization members, um, including the ones that were killed in Chain of Memories. They redesigned them and gave them new, whole new boss fights with oh, new was... mechanics. Yeah, that's something I was always bummed about in Kingdom Hearts 2 is that the ones from Castle Oblivion just like vanished, basically. Yeah. And, and they're back in Final Mix, and their their fights are really cool. Like um, they add really unique because all the all the organization fights kind of have a unique little gimmick to them. But uh, these ones in particular, like uh, Marluxia, um, the scythe, the, the 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 main villain from Chain of Memories in Kingdom Hearts Two, his gimmick is that he casts um, Doom on Sora, but that Doom meter will only deplete with every every time he lands a hit. Um, so you have like 70, a count of like 80 on top of your head. And every time he hits you, it takes a point off. Um, so you have to really learn his patterns and how to block his combo so you can get a moment to maybe restore some of that count from him. It's a really fun back and forth that I really enjoyed. Okay, but, cool. And, and the, data org, the, the, the data organization fights are remixes of those fights. So they take the fight, they take them, they remix their patterns, give them some new attacks. Um, they'll go into their desperation phase a lot sooner. Um, so they're just more challenging versions of those fights in general. Um, and those were a lot of fun to take down, except for except for Demex, who now goes into his dance water dance. I, you have to clear all my forms four times in a row before the actual fight starts. Oh. Um, <laughs> so that was that was fun. 
Kingdom Hearts has uh, never been one to shy away from excess in any form. So no, it really isn't. Um, <laughs> but if you're, but honestly, I think it's a gratifying challenge to rise up to. Um, if you are, if you go for the optional stuff in Kingdom Hearts too, there's a yeah, whole area. If you ever need any help, just talk to Stephen Meyerink, who has probably done all of it on Proud Critical, whatever, a hundred thousand times. <laughs> I, I did send Stephen a couple messages, being like, "Hey, so how do I do this?" Um, yeah. That so man that, is a machine. He's insane. He very, very much so. Yeah. So you've enjoyed your experience revisiting Kingdom Hearts 2? For sure, yeah. It's, it's and, a great game. Can't wait for 3. It is. Yeah. the only one I've actually played in the series. Is 2? Yeah, 2 is the only one I ever played start to finish. I had a friend loan it to me, and she's like, you need to play this. And I was like, this is a lot of fun and very mashy and very convoluted. Yeah, for sure. I'd recommend that collection on PS4 has, like, um, it doesn't have all the games. It's they, they it has all the games that aren't in the other collection, the two point eight one. Mm, but just uh, the three DS ones. The three DS one. It yeah. just dodged the three DS stuff basically. Yeah, which so you can play like the prequel game, Birth by Sleep, uh, the first game, and the second game. Uh, you mm. get the the brunt the brunt of the series of that collection, and I I recommend it. It's they're they're very fun games, and they're I well think. polished uh, in their operas. Birth by Sleep is the best one. Fight me. Birth by, Birth by Sleep is the best one. This is objective fact. Um, <laughs> it's also got Aqua, so like, how can you not? Yeah, Aqua's Aqua's the best. She got Norded. All right, she all right. got Norded, man. She got Norded. Well, I do have intent of picking it up since us being a family of people who like RPGs and Annette is a huge Disney nut and our daughter, by proxy, is pretty into Disney as well. I feel like it would be a good one for them to play together and possibly myself to play with Gwen or something or yeah. Gwen to take on on her own at some point. For and sure. I'm sure Kingdom Hearts 3 will probably have some kind of a here's what happened so far to catch people up because they're really banking on that game selling a lot they're, and they're not going to want much gonna, They're pretty much going to have to in some capacity. Yeah, because it's MV or What's that, Greg? Some sort of FMV collection from... Yeah, like, they've uh, got to have something. Kind of like what they did in um, Advent Children where they kind of did a little summary like with cutscenes from Final Fantasy VII and like the bonus features, like just in case you don't know what's happening. Just in case, yeah. I mean, it's been long enough since too that I feel like that's kind of required at this point. Yeah, now. I was going to say that's required viewing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say, Peter, did you see that picture of uh, Woody with white hair photoshopped on yes. and Xehanort written on a shoe? <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I was I was dying. Yeah. So stupid. You know what, though? That's the kind of twist that Kingdom Hearts would 100% do. So oh God. I'm I'm gonna laugh so hard if that ends up being a thing in the game and they think they're clever about it too. Hey, do you remember when anger and hatred turned Scar from the Lion King into a heartless? Because I remember. Uh, so I just played Pepper's that bit. So does Pepper oh, wow. Charm. <laughs> I totally forgot that was a thing. Yeah, no, it's been way too long since I played too. I liked that world too, the Lion King world. It was cool. It was really cool. It was with the Pride Lands. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Okay, well, Peter, I want to hear about one more game that you've been revisiting, and it's not as old as the other two, but yeah. Pokemon Ultra Moon came out uh, like a year ago at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I've been working on it for seven months. Okay. It took me forever to actually find the willpower to beat this game, and and not you, for lack of interest. Did you play the original? Sunday? I did. I did. That was the problem. Okay, that's why. I felt the same way. I fell off of uh, Ultra Moon pretty quickly for the same reason. It doesn't reason. iterate enough? It was... It's, no. It, well, it, it doesn't iterate enough, um, or it doesn't iterate... It, it iterates... The, all, most of the major iterations are at the very end. 
Um, and and in the post game, the post game yeah. is pretty radically different. Um, Which is great because uh, my biggest complaint about Sun Moon is that it didn't really have a post game besides the battle yeah. tree. And this one adds a whole lot more you can do. Um, that's ex that's that's a lot more exciting. They have the whole team Rainbow Rocket thing, and um, and I like I like the Pokemon games, and I I really especially like Gen Seven in particular. I think they were a really big step up. And so I got Ultra Moon. Um, it was actually a gift from uh, Mike Salvato. I was I was very happy to receive that from him. What a nice dude. He's so nice. I love Mike. Um, but um, the problem was is that I beat Sun and Moon literally that same year. I play I beat Moon literally that same year. Um, and playing it again, I'm like, well, this is very familiar. I just played this game, and do I really want to play this game again so soon? And the answer turned out to be. When I'm in the mood for Pokemon, I will sit this down, do a couple trials, and then put it back on the shelf for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, which ended up being how I beat it. And then the last week, I was pretty much just like, you know what? I, I want to wrap this up because Let's Go is coming out, and I want to be able to say I did it. So I picked it up and powered through the final segment, which was really cool. Um, I like the, the Necrozma stuff they add. They had a whole new storyline centered around the third legendary of the Alolan region, that trio of Necrozma, which is like a an all-consuming entity that can that it consumes the light from planets essentially and travels oh. from dimension to dimension, eating their light. And now it's come to Alola and um, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> which is really smart, I would say, because I don't know the didn't know the lore of that Pokemon, but it's a really smart uh, play by them to now potentially. They now have the potential to take Pokemon into space. Like they can go to other planets that now presumably have other Pokemon or into alternate dimensions. Yeah, I mean, and, they've, and yeah, you know, and they've the Ultra Beasts from Gen Seven are literally like extra dimensional Pokemon. Like mm -hmm. they're they're all creatures that uh, are not uh, classified as Pokemon, but you catch them in little balls and they can be on your team. So if it looks like right. a duck and talks like a duck, it's probably <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and then the original Pokemon Sun and Moon. It's probably a Yeah, or a Deoxys. Um, and the original Sun Moon, they had a very brief segment where you went through an ultra wormhole and fought against Lusamine, right? And Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's you go back and that's kind of the end of it. And they talk about it, but it's not really a thing that you interact with that much. Whereas mm -hmm. in Ultra Sun Moon, I'm aware that you have the ability to actually travel through the wormholes at will and it's like something of a feature now to be able yeah. to go in and catch special Pokemon. Yep, you can ride um you can ride on Solgaleo or Lunala um into a wormhole <laughs> and it's a little mini game that's controlled with the gyro the the gyroscope on the three DS. Um and it can lead you to other dimensions where you can find legendary Pokemon, other ultra beasts. Um in the main story you go to the ultra um the megalopolis which is like a world that was consumed by necrozma um and you have to fight uh you have to necrozma gets a new form um that called it's like uh, it's ultra form where it's like it turn it, it turns into like a giant light dragon which is really cool looking mm. and that fight is really cool except for the fact that i one shot it um <laughs> because yeah using you're, what you're a dragon. I'm, I have a fairy type. You are weak to moonblast. <laughs> Goodbye. It's Goodbye. like it's a blue eyes white dragon, and you've got a flabebe who knows fairy wind. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry, Kaiba. You can't stand against my uh, my unstoppable flower baby. <laughs> um, 
but really, um, and really, and, and then um, they do some cool things with the Elite Four, the the final fight that I enjoyed. But overall, I, I think Ultra Moon is, if you haven't played any of the Gen 7 games, I feel like then it's a good enough place to jump in. But having played Sun and Moon, I really didn't like the changes to the story. I liked Necrozma, but I don't like what they did to Lusamine's character. Um, or did they that- change her in Ultra? Uh, they change well. They make it so her motivation is now she wants to stop Necrozma. So they, which, but they do the same weird family drama storyline from Ultra Moon. It just gets cuts off when Necrozma shows up, and everyone's like, "Okay, we should set aside our differences and deal with uh, Satan's devouring." Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but it feels it that it makes that plot feel a little unresolved. Um, when I really liked the, I liked the. Sun and Moon for a Pokemon game had actually surprisingly good characterization, and I felt like Ultra Moon did some of that, but left a lot of it on the floor for more legendary Pokemon stuff, which was a shame. Hmm. Um, gotcha. Does it have any benefits if you have uh, have have a save file from the original Gen Seven games? Not, not that I'm aware of. Um, other than the ability to. Uh, I mean, obviously, you have the ability to use Pokemon Bank and transfer Pokemon over. So if you want to complete your Pokedex faster, that's a way to do it. Um, uh, but other than that, I don't think there's really a benefit to doing so. Other than really, it's it really it is kind of like a, a return trip to Alola if you're a big fan of the series and you really want to you really want to get technical and really want to experiment with another team. Um, maybe see some of the new features because there are some cool new things they added, like a. Like Lycanroc has a third form now. That's pretty cool. I had him on my team. Um, I was like the excess Don Duskin, or no? What was it before? It's like the it midday was, form, right? Yeah, before it was like midday and midnight, and now it has dusk. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, I find that whenever the third version of a Pokemon game comes out, it's usually and just an excuse for me to maybe like I'll pick a different starter, um, make a different team throughout the game, sort of like reshape the experience in my own way without really paying as much attention to, I mean, I pay attention to whatever's new or different in the third version, but like I, I have no illusions of picking up Pokemon yellow platinum, whatever, and expecting it to be a radically different experience. I expect to like basically have it be the same game with some tweaks. That's fair enough. And that's basically what ultra sun and ultra moon are. Um, And it's, and that's fine for what it is. I'm just, yeah, I, I was I, 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 over the course of like seven months trying to wrap it up. I was like, yeah, I mean, I like I feel like I would I feel like I like Sun and Moon OG Sun and Moon better, but this is still pretty good. Yeah, um, it's no black two and white two. I think is the important thing to stress. Where it's not a completely new story. Okay, yeah, those were pretty substantial uh, upheavals, weren't they? The yeah, taking with new characters and taking place after the originals and new yeah. locations and whatnot that were cool i really um, like that generation a lot actually it's one of my faves gen 5 was great yeah, it, yeah. It, they had, i think they had to get really creative because they had to like you know you had they had to invent a whole new 150 for that game mm-hmm. so, yeah i don't feel very strongly about the upcoming pokemon let's go eevee and pikachu will i play them yeah am i super hyped no mostly because they feel kind of watered down to me from what i've seen that's but, oh that's that's absolutely fair. I'm a little nervous about the implementation of uh, Pokemon Go like mechanics because I really don't like Pokemon Go. I'm not fond of it either, and I I actually kind of started replaying Pokemon Joe just because my boyfriend plays. Um, so every time we're out, 
he's like on his phone doing it anyway. So I, I figured, all right, I'll, I'll start catching them from time to time just because I'm going to be able to use it with Eevee and Pikachu in the future. But I've grown tired of even that. Like, the, I think the app just barely works on my phone. Like, Oh, is it a, like a compatibility problem? Is your phone older or something? Yeah, it doesn't work. The gyro features don't work, so I'm missing some of that. And then it's just, it eats battery. It does, yeah. It does, I, yeah. I just don't find it super compelling. Like, I have, I don't have the motivation to catch them all and go. So that's probably, if you don't want to catch them all, then there's not really much of a point, right? Like, I don't know even... what it's about. It's the, yeah, it's the gotcha factor of like, I just want more of the things. Yeah. That... And I don't really, I don't like the battle system in Go. So I'm glad yeah. that, that Eevee and Pikachu at least has the traditional battle system. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that aspect. Me yeah. too. Um, I'm still excited for Let's Go. Um, just because it looks adorable. I love. I like the fact that we're returning to Kanto. Um, as a nostalgia trip, I think I'm gonna enjoy it a lot. Um, but yeah, the simplified mechanics and some of the things they like. I'm just like, okay, I get you're trying to bring newcomers in on the series, but how do you yeah. how do you water down Pokemon more? Yeah, I think it'll be all right. Um, I'm probably. I'm just not looking forward to it day by day, holding my breath on the edge oh, of my yeah. seat. But uh, the new Pokemon for Switch, whenever that's announced, that's something that I will eagerly anticipate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're still getting a core game in 2019, so it all is not lost. Uh, no, Let's Go definitely looks like it's going to be more geared towards Gwen, my stepdaughter. Like, I'm really excited for how she's going to react and enjoy it. Like, she was already stoked that, like, Eevee was featured because Eevee's her favorite. So there was yeah. lots of Eevee squealing when we watched the video from E3. So Aww. she was pretty stoked on that. And, like, I, I, yeah, it's one of those things where maybe this game just isn't quite for us because I'm definitely feeling right. what you two both feel as well, that it's nice seeing the familiar world. But, yeah, the mechanics are kind of, yeah. But I do like that aspect personally of, it's encouraging you to get out and explore your world again using Pokemon Go to catch Pokemon. So it feels a little more hands-on like, yeah, I'm going out catching them, but how well that's integrated. Cause yeah, the Pokemon Go is very meh. Like I was definitely encouraged to recently too, being in Europe. I was like, I might want to catch a Mr. Mime, but then I have to reinstall yeah, yeah. it. And eh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to bother. And cause I just haven't played it enough to warrant the amount of space it's taking up in the battery sink. So. Hmm. Well, it, you do make a good point, and I think it's important to keep that perspective that not every game is going to be made for every type of player, every audience, every age group, every interest yeah. group. Like, it's okay if this one's more oriented towards kids because they obviously aren't stopping, they aren't ceasing to produce the sort of mainline Pokemon games. So, yeah, yeah. no, the old games will never go away. This is, this is I actually I had this discussion with somebody about a about movies recently, where it was like. Uh, we were talking about comic books and comic book movies. And it's like, well, I mean, if they change stuff, like the old stuff doesn't go away, you know? It doesn't invalidate your experience by opening that experience up to new people. Oh, well, right. yeah, that's a great... Uh, there, there's so many discussions that can be had about so many series, uh, just to throw out a name, mostly Star Wars, that that oh, can apply that, to as well. Absolutely. Just need to kind of... Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's actually interesting that we that we bring that up because... I'm I'm probably going to be I don't want to be a hypocrite here, but you want to talk about games being watered down. Something oh that I have a serious <laughs> issue with that I'm taking so much umbrage with is just today we got the announcement that Fantasy Star is coming. No, Alexa, I'm not talking to you. Fantasy Star <laughs> is coming back. And yeah, we, we knew as of a few days ago that it was going to be a phone game. No. And so I know. So 
you know, I'm not partial to phone games, really. Uh, I've yet to find one that I've really wanted to sink my time into because I find that they're all like uh, gotcha games all are basically the same game just with maybe a different battle system or something, but they all do the same thing of like log in every day to collect your bonuses, try adding a friend to your friends list and summon them as your extra party member in battle. Now spend real life money. If you want more draws of weapons or characters, whatever. And like some of them are better than others. Some of them balance the microtransaction aspect better. Like record um, keeper. I yeah, I think I think record keeper is a pretty good, uh, pretty good example. And you like um, the opera one, opera omnis. Mm-hmm, opera omnia. Uh, I actually thought was like decently fun. I just don't have a lot of long term interest in playing these. I find so when I heard that there was going to be a fantasy star game coming to phone soon, I was like, all right, maybe it'll be one of those like you know greatest hits. I can summon past characters to my party, whatever. Blah blah blah. We get the reveal today. It is Idola Fantasy Star Saga, and the Idola thing. It's not idols. They've had the the word idola in a lot of past Final Fantasy like music tracks. It's just like a word that they keep using. I don't really know the origin of it. But... You said Final Fantasy, Fantasy Star. Oh, I'm sorry, Fantasy Star. Yeah, it's okay. I'm thinking about something I actually like. So, <laughs> <laughs> will this be the Final Fantasy Star? No, whatever. Idola yeah. Fantasy Star Saga. Sorry, it's been in a lot of Fantasy Star tracks. So, uh, this is a phone game upcoming 2018, and um. I think it looks awful. (laughs) Um, Mostly because, yeah, so, all right, so just to touch upon the the point that you made earlier, the fact that this new phone game based on the Fantasy Star property exists does not invalidate my experience with past Final Fantasy. Sorry, Fantasy Star titles, and I can go back and play Fantasy Star 1 through 4 whenever I want. I can do that. That's great. Um... But Fantasy Star has lain dormant for a long time with the exception of Fantasy Star Online 2, which never came out in the US. So here I was hoping, okay, maybe this will serve as a way to reinvigorate the franchise and maybe it'll even lead to something else. Who knows? But but what this is, is it like, it looks so cynical and so far removed from Fantasy Star's aesthetic that I don't even understand what they're trying to do with the Fantasy Star name. It's like... Um, it looks like one of those, it's got like a turn-based RPG system. It's got a really cluttered interface complete with all of the things that you would expect. Um, a fast forward option, auto battle, uh, characters who look weirdly generic and, uh, it's got tons and tons of moe. The main character that they revealed is this girl with pink pigtails who is super demure and shy and can't talk. Until she puts on this <laughs> helmet and suddenly she's a battle maiden. Um, <laughs> she's wearing the shortest booty shorts known to man, which I don't. I, I, don't, I just like I don't. Um, I don't think her character design is the worst I've ever seen in my life. But I, I think that the idea of oh my god, she's so shy, but she can actually fight. It's okay. Like, stop doing that. Stop. <laughs> it's like it's so trite and so overdone. I've seen it a million times. And nothing like, about like the, the way most, that, like the most Garbo of Garbo anime tropes. Yes, and nothing about the way this game is designed. It also looks really low budget to me. Nothing about the like the, the art style or the aesthetic or even the interface smacks of Fantasy Star to me. The only Fantasy Star yeah, thing I've like seen is thank you. Yeah, there are Rappies, the little chicks, the little yellow chicks that have appeared throughout. Oh, that's the what those were. Okay. Yeah, those are there. That's it. That's all I see that looks even remotely related to Fantasy Star. And so I think they're trying to pull more from Fantasy Star Online 2, which does delve a bit further into the kind of anime aesthetic than other Fantasy Star stuff. But 
Um, I, I'm just like, you know, this game could just not be for me and I just won't play it. And that's fine. But if this is, I swear to God, if this is like the last time they try to bring back Fantasy Star and they're like, no, oh, nobody likes Fantasy Star anymore, I guess. So we're not going to get it. Like, no, this is not Fantasy Star. So it, I just, it's, it feels like sort of a, you know, um, it's it feels like a cheap cash in on a name that has nothing to do with the actual series it's calling back to. Hmm, that's accurate uh, that's uh, point of view. And, and may, you know what? The game's not out. So maybe it'll be fun. Um, maybe I'm judging it harshly and prematurely. That is entirely possible. But given the trailer and the screenshots, there's like a 95% chance that this is going to be exactly what I expect it to be, which is another low-budget phone game that expects you to log in every day. And they've talked about some of the systems already. They want you to log in. They're already doing a pre-registration bonus like every other gotcha game where if the pre-registrations reach 1,000, sorry, 100,000 users, Everybody gets a five-star Kuna from Fantasy Star Online 2. Like that alone right there. Oh, a five-star character. So they're going to be summons. And all the summons are going to have tiers. Tiered. So you're going to pull like garbage characters so they can encourage you to pull more. And it might, just... it might psychologically trick you into spending like a dollar, which in turn feeds into your gambling mission. Yeah. Um... Only being half. I'm only half being facetious there because that is kind of a, <laughs> it is kind of predatory. It is, and yep. I mean that's how the games are designed. There, they're designed to sort of elicit that feedback from the player to to give you to drip feed to you pleasing sort of accomplishments, and then you're like, oh cool, I you know I've I've done all these things, but I can just I can rank up just one more time if I spend a dollar to do it today or whatever, or I really want this one character and they're only available for three days, so blah blah blah. Which is so much nicer when it's encouraged by gameplay. It would be fine if the game was good. And, like, again, I'm judging very early without having played the game. But I'm telling you, I'm watching this trailer again, and it doesn't look good. It looks like a bad Flash game. It does not look like Fantasy Star, and it does not look polished or high quality to me. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, if they called it something else, we would have been like, okay, it's just that other thing. Yeah, it would have just been sure. Good job. The fact that they, like, teased it before they announced it, and they had that Fantasy Star 30th anniversary logo. Like there is, this is a series with some clout, and it's they were clearly banking on that clout to draw attention to this announcement. And the announcement comes on, it's like, oh, this is another crappy mobile game based on a popular franchise. Like, like what we've seen with Star Ocean. Um, what we're, yeah. we'll probably see with Wild Arms. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, and and Ark the Lad coming soon too. And yeah. Actually, they're announcing that Ark the Lad game next week. Hopefully it won't be a gotcha. <laughs> if, you know, if it's, I'm, again, I'm not fond of phone games pretty much in any capacity, but at least if they made it a, a 2D tactical RPG like the old Arc the Wild games, that could actually work pretty well as a touchscreen game. For like, yeah, like, what, six, 14 bucks, somewhere in that bracket. Yeah, I mean, that could be okay. I'm not happy about it. I'd rather it be Switch 3S, whatever, a fully-fledged console game, but um, that I would take over a, Oh, do you remember Elk from Arc the Lad 2? If you pay $10, you'll be guaranteed to get a three-star Elk with your random draw. Like, F that. Come on. Stop just there's, banking on people's nostalgia for past characters and make a good game. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a point where, like, the mobile market stopped being, like, friendly for, like, independent developers who are like, oh, you don't have the resources to make a console game. We could do actually do something with this medium. And now it's just kind of a cesspool of these kind of apps. and yeah. This is something that I will continue to crusade against tirelessly. And I 
And this, I mean, again, like some people, I mean, obviously people play them. People play yeah, the gotcha games. It, people are doing it. At least they have a medium to explore their creativity. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, there's, a, as you said, there's a cesspool of, of mediocrity out there. Yeah, I mean, at least things like Final Fantasy Record Keeper have some polish. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, they, they do encourage you to spend money in fairly subtle ways, but they continue to update it. Like, also they Final really Fantasy Record Keeper... Yeah, Record Keeper is about to get its third official soundtrack release. And the music from Record Keeper is so great. Good. The re it yeah, the remasters great. are beautiful. Yeah. So at the very mm-hmm. least, something like that has things that even me, somebody who doesn't want to play the game necessarily, I can pull things out of that. I can appreciate the art. I can appreciate the music. Like, and it's not just leveraging the name Final Fantasy without being anything remotely related to it. So that's no, the issue that I take. Because the gacha isn't there. even the characters. Like it's like you're gonna yeah, get like, the nostalgic characters you want, and they they're so easy to get. Like you don't have to spend money to get these characters. You just mm-hmm. go into these cheap little quests, and all they just want you to go in is just do it. It's just if to power them up, that's where the potential for sinking your actual hard-earned money into mm-hmm. could be a thing. But they give you so much stuff that it's so easy to get so far in that game for free. If you want to be probably doing like the big crazy high level quests i can see probably have to drop some dollars to like really fast track your cloud or sephiroth or whomever that use your big bad but i've done more than enough that i have fun with it every now and again when i play it in fits and bursts that i feel very satisfied with how my team performs with how cool their abilities are that i've never spent a cent on it yeah and i have a friend uh who's been playing record keeper faithfully since launch and he he has like every character and he hasn't spent money on it just because he's diligent and checking back. So that's, I think that's fine. Like I am totally happy for that, for that game to exist in games on that level to exist. It's just when you see this stuff, like um, I do love fantasy star saga that it really feels like a cheap cash in and sort of on that note, just today, weirdly enough, the same day that we got an announcement for I do love fantasy star saga was the English release of DX two Shin Megami Tensei which is a, it's exactly what you think it is. It is the sh- the gotcha version of a Shin Megami Tensei game for your phone. Um, it your, makes more sense. Y- yeah, like given that Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner exists and Devil Survivor, and those are both games where you use your phone to summon demons, although they're uh, tactical and, and turn-based RPGs. This is one where it's uh, you're playing as somebody who gets an app on their phone. It's your phone, you know, your real life phone. And it allows you to summon demons and you just engage in turn-based battles. The You're like a member of a group called the Liberators who are fighting against a shadowy society, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it came out today. I downloaded it. I played it for half an hour. And then I was like, nope, this isn't for me. Um, it's, it's just, it's the same. It's the same as every other game in this setup, which is to say, if the Shin Megami Tensei Pantheon of Demons is enough to keep you interested in playing it, then you may like it. But... If you don't like structurally how gacha games operate, you won't because it did the thing where I started it. Um, I, you know, they were like, first go to your log screen and check your login bonuses. Okay, accept the gifts from the the gift box. Okay, would you like to try adding a friend to your friends? It was like, seriously, it's it's just I don't understand. All these games are identical the way that they operate, and I just don't. Where's I, the where's the turn off tutorial button? Uh, yeah, I I wanted to skip it, but. The, the actual battles in DX2 Shin Megami Tensei play like a slightly simplified version of a, a Shin Megami Tensei battle system. So you have the press turns 
And um, if you exploit an enemy weakness, you get like a bonus turn or whatever. And the the production values for the in-game models are quite nice. They're 3D. And it did a little thing when I started the game where it was like uh, benchmarking my phone, basically. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have an iPhone 8 Plus, so it's fairly new. And uh, it looks beautiful. Like the, the those models are super crisp and clean. And the production value is quite good. The art style, I think, leaves something to be desired. It feels like kind of weirdly low budget or amateur, um, maybe like in a B team effort. But uh, if if you're into Shin Megami Tensei a lot, you could check it out. I would just say don't expect anything but a gacha game with a Shin Megami Tensei skin. So that is out as of today. And then um, just like two weeks ago, I think we got the release of uh, Star Ocean Animanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanam
allows for them to create a star ocean. What would it be? Six at this point? Six, yeah. That's, that's closer in the mold. Because I, I think star ocean three and four have plenty of redeemable things. I know four has yeah. some real oh, bad I loved, characters. Well, I, loved, I loved playing four. I just muted all the cutscenes. Like, yeah. Four music, is fun as hell. Yeah, the environments, the combat, like the. Oh my movement. god! Yeah, Blood on the Keys, the main battle theme is so it's good. So it's so dope. I've never played yeah. a Star Ocean, but it sounds neat. Yeah, the concept uh, of space JRPG, I like. Yeah, I think I still think Star Ocean Two is probably the high point of the series. But actually, isn't there? Aren't you guys playing Star Ocean Two for retro or something? But Alana's playing it on her own. Today. Oh, okay, that's right. Oh, yeah, I think Sweden's coming up at some point. Maybe that's gotcha. what you're thinking. I don't well, know. Um. Phone games certainly are certainly are saturating the market, and it seems like at this point, if there's a franchise you like, you'll probably get a phone game out of it. So I, will, I hope I that will, it makes money I for the real baseline one. Yeah, that's that's my hope, and I I know that I'm being quite negative about these here, and I want to give everything a fair shake, which is why I've tried downloading Star Ocean and DX2 Shimming on my Tensei and stuff. I want to at least give them a try before I write them off entirely. It's just I have yet to be surprised, and. Idola Fantasy Star Saga does not look like it will surprise me in any meaningful way. So, fingers it's, crossed it proves me wrong. I would like to be wrong on that. I mean, if you're, I'll just stick to, to Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, because at least in that that mobile gotcha experience, uh, Seto Kaiba can tell me that I'm a fourth-rate duelist with a third-rate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the kind of talking to you need to keep you grounded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, at least that one has some production value. They got all the voice actor, the voice actors back to record new lines. So nice. that was cool. <laughs> yeah, it's always good. It's funny. I was actually talking about card RPGs the other day. I made, oh, yeah. Yeah, I made this tweet that went like weirdly viral. Where you were talking about Baton Kaitos, weren't you? Yeah, Baton like, Kaitos, Lost Kingdoms, and the Fantasy Star Online episode three. Oh yeah, and that that was a thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I liked it. <laughs> It, it's it like was a tactical cool. RPG with cards. It, it just kind of came out of nowhere, like, oh. <laughs> yeah, they seemed to be a thing in that era for some reason. And there were there were other, like, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Yeah, Chain of, Chain of Memories was fun. I, I... It's Yeah, it's weird that that was a thing, like a hot thing, and then it completely died oh, out. So. Oh, around what year was that? 2003, 2004. Yeah. Like, how were CCGs doing, like, Pokemon card game and Yu-Gi-Oh! And oh, see, yeah, oh, that would have been around the time that uh, that trading card games were just blowing up. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, make those mechanics jive in. Yeah, because there was even, like, a Game Boy Pokemon card game version, too. Like, yeah, yeah, which was great. I loved it. Oh, was it? Nice. Oh, I never it played it. It was a fun game, yeah. It was like an RPG, yeah. So we probably have it in our archive or something, right? Yeah. Oh, it's also, uh, it is on the 3DS Virtual Console for, like, five bucks. So. That's right. I do remember seeing it, which is what reminded me of it. Uh, I, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, sorry to end on something of a sour note with all that ranting I did about phone games, but hopefully everybody has enjoyed being here today, and I hope, listeners, you've enjoyed the show. So we're going to wrap it up here. If you have questions, comments, or spare potions, you can email us at podcast at rpgfan.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at RPGFancom and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash RPGFancom. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, please, please, please. Still haven't seen a single new review since I took over the show, so I'm going to just take that as a, a silent sign that y'all are loving it. So if you can <laughs> leave us some feedback on iTunes or uh, subscribe to us to the RSS feed, that would be great. We welcome your uh, comments, questions, concerns, but never complaints, damn it. Only positive feedback. No, I we have had some good uh, emails, though. Have we? We not? have. We have. Yeah. Of those. And I, 
I truly do hope that everybody is enjoying the show. So um, today we left off without talking about any Octopath Traveler, but we will uh, get back to that on the next episode because all of us would love to dig in more. So in case you're wondering where that is, it's coming. Yosh. Where can they find you in the in the interwebs, Derek? Oh, they can find me uh, on Twitter at EmbryonX. That's at E-M-B-R-Y-O-N-X. Greg, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at Greg Delmage on uh, Twitter and pretty much anywhere I'm to be whatever. You can also find me on season four of Unreal TV. It's I'll true. Pick, I'm going to plug myself. It was great. Go go watch it on Hulu or if you're in the UK on Amazon. And the name of it is what? One more time. Unreal TV. Yes. So go watch Greg on the televisions. He is swell in so many ways. I think so. I think so too. And Peter, where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can always find me at I have fury on Twitter um, or Peter T at RPGfan.com if you want to shoot me an email. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We're glad that you listened to the show and hope you continue to enjoy it as we're coming up on episode 150. Woo! Give us fun ideas. Give us some ideas. Yeah. So we're going to sign off here today for me, Greg, and Peter. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you all later.